I, I really felt that the Lord wanted us to start a, um, a Sunday school, an old school Sunday school program for adults. And um, so uh, 8.30 to 9.30, we're going to have Sunday school in the multi-purpose room right over here. Um, and if you're, lear- if you're wanting to uh, know more about the Bible, if you're wanting to actually go through and study um, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, uh, and, and get discipleship through the Word of God, which is the best way to get it, um, we're going to do Sunday school starting uh, the last weekend in January. I believe it's January 29th. Is that right? Something. It's the last weekend in January, and the best part of this announcement is I've asked the first series, which would be an eight-week series, to be run by Dr. Alan Hawkins, and Dr. Alan Hawkins is, uh, is the founding pastor of our church and uh, a mighty man of God, and he's given us eight weeks of his life, eight Sundays in a row, to do his Emmaus Road series, and he's actually revamped the whole thing. Um, and added so much more to it, and, and so I'm really excited. I'll be attending it myself. I encourage you guys to attend it. Um, we might look at doing a registration for it, um, depending on um, how many people are interested, because it might fill up very quickly. So uh, anyway, without further ado, uh, we also have um, our special speaker, our associate pastor, is going to be speaking this Sunday um, with a... A great prophetic vision and word for the new year, and I'm looking forward to it. So let's pray for Josh. Josh, receive. Okay. God, God, help Josh. God, we thank you for his life. We thank you for the word you've given him. Lord, I just pray as he shares it with the family of God. Lord, I pray that we would receive it. Father, I pray that it would be your words flowing through him. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that it would set people free. It would help us transform into your image more and more. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Paul. That's good. Is that you? Is that me? All right, well, uh, <clears throat> so today's message is called Evangelism 101. It's me. I think it's me. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, hey, let's get back to it. It's Evangelism 101, uh, which I got very excited about. Uh, 101, because uh, this is the first week of our new, our fourth and final core value, Evangelism. I pointed to it, but it's covered, I realize. I know that now. It's covered. It's up there. It's behind the red. You'll see it probably next week. Uh, it says Evangelism, and today is, the date is 101. So I thought that would be, see, prophetic people. Hey, I think the Lord knew what he was doing. Um, yeah, it's crazy. It is crazy to think that it's the first. And uh, I wanted to share, so a year ago at this time, um, New Life City still wasn't even really on our radar. Uh I, wrote, I, I, like, I love dates. I'm not like much of a history person, but when it comes to like the Lord's history or like what he's done in my life or people that I know's lives, then I really love dates. So it was last year on January 3rd, so two days from now, um, that I had the dream where out of nowhere Paul was there. And um, this is, I'm just gonna read it to you. Um, I'm, I had a dream where suddenly I was with Paul Martini. And he said, uh, our church isn't growing 
at the rate and in the way we thought it would. So we're going to be hiring a new pastor if you're interested. I said, really? He said, yeah, man. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and then I took a week uh, with Trista to process it. I took a week with our pastor of the Vineyard Church we were going to because um, I didn't know how to share it. Uh, I don't, everything prophetic doesn't always, like, come easily or make sense. And so I was like, well, it feels a little heavy-handed um, to message Paul um, because we're in this season of two years of having no job and just truly, I mean, no work, just waiting with the Lord at home, just waiting for him because he said wait on him. So it feels a little heavy-handed to say um, I had a dream that you offered me a position at your church. And also, truly, I wasn't sure that I wanted to, to, to work at a church. Again, I thought maybe some kind of ministry traveling or something. And so after praying with them, I was like, I don't want to be unfaithful with the word and, and not share the part. Like, I didn't want God to get mad that I didn't share the part about him offering me a job. But we also felt like it was okay to not do that. So I sent Paul a text that just said, hey, Paul, I hope you're well. I'm writing because I had a dream regarding you and your church a couple weeks back that stood out. I spent a week praying into it and processing with the, dr the dream with Trista and another pastor here, even though the dream was seemingly straightforward. As always, I welcome feedback, and if it's totally off, I'd love to know because that helps me keep track and have accountability. Although you do tend to pop up in my dreams more than most people that I actually know, and those dreams usually stand out. So here's what I felt led to share from the dream. Out of nowhere, we were together and you said to me, our church just isn't growing at the rate and in the way we thought it would be, so we're gonna be hiring another pastor, dot, dot, dot. It wasn't the sense that someone was replacing you. It felt more like someone coming alongside you. So I just pray for growth and the right kind of growth over your church family. I pray that you would have all the finances you need to make another hire if that's a direction you all feel led and that you'd be full of wisdom as a body in that hire and that it would be a blessing to you personally, your literal family, and your church as a whole. Love you, Josh. Um, so it, it makes me like a little emotional because it's crazy for us, like as I reflect on this, that still within the year, less than a year ago, that that like all started. Because it feels, I feel like you guys are our family. I feel like, I, I know we've gotten to know a lot of you, but it still feels like we're getting to know you. But um, one of the things that really stood out to me in that dream, because it was really straightforward and I ended up getting the job. Um, <laughs> yeah. Was, because um, then it was, it was months later that Paul texted and said, would you, I, I looked back through our texts and you said, this is awesome. I, great word, I welcome them. Um, something I've been thinking about. And then the next text I had from you was months later saying, would you have time to FaceTime? And I was like, I know what's happening. Um, anyway. Yeah. But the thing that stood out to me um, something that stands out to me still now is, is the phrase in there, our church isn't growing in the way and the rate that we want it to. Um, and I knew that if we were coming, that in some way it would be connected to the way and the rate that this church grows. Um, 
and it wasn't like Paul hasn't said that since we've, he's not like, that wasn't something when he messaged us that was like, we're not growing the way we want to. But I also say that the, the way that you grow, the way in which you grow is probably equally, if not more important than the rate that you grow. Um, and so neither Paul or I, or yeah, I know I can say that confidently, neither of us have the vision that this church would grow and grow and grow and grow just from people who already follow Jesus. That, that people from other churches would be like, ooh, I like what they do, and then come here instead. Now, if you've come here from another church because you like what we do, that's great. Because like, I, I also really like what we do. I like the freedom in worship. I love the freedom to move in the spirit. I love that you can get up here and flag so hard that stuff starts flying <laughs> off the stage. I love that. So if you've come from another church, that's great. I've come from another church. We've come from another church. But I I just want to say that that's not the vision for this house. The house is that we would be so full of Jesus and sharing Jesus that new people have a chance to hear, decide to follow Jesus, and that's why we grow. I was... um, Back in 2015, I was the lead pastor of another church called something. I won't say it out loud. Maybe I will. I don't know. Probably not. Um, I'm going to say some good and some bad things. <laughs> so I just want to like, it was a church that was honestly full of some of the most beautiful people that I've ever met. Like a truly special community that years before I even got the opportunity to pastor it, I was like, if I had never even expressed interest in pastoring. And I was like, but if I did, I had journaled. I would love to pastor that church. It was a really special group of people. Um, it throws people because it was a Mennonite church and I was a Mennonite pastor. But I'm like, but, and we went to Mennonite conferences and, but people, I, I don't know if everyone knows that Mennonites look a lot of different ways. Um, most of the people in our church had tattoos. I, I never had a tattoo until I started pastoring that church. <laughs> Truly. <clears throat> Truly, I was, never had a tattoo until I pastored a Mennonite church. Uh, And, uh, you know, I think we were like a year or so into it, and the Holy Spirit had started doing some really, really cool things. Some people liked that. Some people really didn't like that. Um, And I went to, even though we were part of the Mennonite Conference, we had been, a lot of our spiritual fathers and mothers were from an organization called Dove out of, like, Pennsylvania, which is a network of a few, maybe like over a thousand churches, like 30 nations. And so we loved their DNA. We'd still go to their International Leaders Conference. And we went while we were pastoring this other church. And um, we went up front for a prophetic ministry. And there's a really well-respected, he's not necessarily even part of Dove. He's part of a lot of different ministries around there because he's such a respected teacher. Uh, and his name's Keith Yoder. And so we went up front, and he's like, what do you guys want prophetic ministry for? And we said, we'd love it for our church. And he said, oh, you guys pastor Connect. I'm familiar with your church. And he said, I have something to tell you. The Lord says that if your church doesn't grow, it will die. And we were pumped. We were like, I mean, like exhilarated. We're like, that means we're going to grow. Um And so we went back and we were sharing that with some of the leadership, and the response was not great. Uh, I specifically remember the quote, 
who does this guy think he is telling us how to run our church? It's, again, it's a really beautiful body of people, but there was something in it that was very resistant to growth. Um, and pretty much every good thing grows. So then a couple months later, after that, I was at a pastor's retreat, and I didn't really know what to do. And I felt like the Lord, like we went and sat by the river, and I felt like the Lord said, I want you to write a, uh, I remember him saying the word fake, but like a fake resignation letter. Like, I'm not saying you're leaving, but if you were, write a letter, why would you be leaving this church? Um, and then so I went back and found my journals from that time, and I just want to read two excerpts out of it. Walking with Christ is ridiculous. If it if it is only to be loved and stop there, or to only pass along that love to other Christians. Don't you get it? <laughs> I'm frustrated because we aren't seeing people come to Christ, and I don't know if this church will allow us to. We already have enough people to take care of and enough people who will feel like there are too many people and they can't be heard. Another part. Do not expect to grow in numbers. You will write books and bring in your healing but you have made a choice, and that is your legacy. In closing, this is the end, I likely wouldn't have to resign, nor would I be so frustrated if your teachers and shepherds didn't get so scared and try to control the church. You should have spurred on and supported the apostles, the prophets, and the evangelists among you. If only you could have seen that they've had their wings clipped and that your heart, this is a good heart, to comfort Heal, protect, and encourage that your gifts and your personal fulfillment would have grown with such tremendous beauty if you had let the sowers sow their seeds and the farmers harvest their crops, but instead you have burned their fields and poisoned their young fruit. You have made your decision, and it will end the life, vibrancy, and importance of this church as a full reflection of the Christ it was built upon. I bless you and leave you in Jesus' name. I said a lot of nice things in there, too. Um, and it's not a, it, so that was written in, in May of 2015. And it's not something I shared with them. I didn't actually read that to them. We had a lot of these discussions behind closed doors. Um, but, but we were, we knew we, we, that we wouldn't see the growth that we were designed for there. And so the Lord brought people out of, a lot of random pockets to be like, this isn't the church for you to be anymore, uh, for you to be at. And when I left, we just left, and I wasn't really allowed to share a lot of the things that, that I just shared um, or that was really going on behind the scenes. But the thing is, um, that church doesn't exist anymore. It's gone. Um, whew, yeah, like a couple years later, it was I got invited to their closing celebration um, and the Lord had shown me some stuff in the meantime about things they were trying to do to survive, but that it just wouldn't work. But what I know is that his plan for that church was growth. But, but prophetic words, the majority of prophetic words in Scripture, and yeah, the majority of prophetic words in Scripture and that you get are conditional. 
I don't know if you realize that prophetic words can be conditional. So if you're like, you're going to be a famous soccer player, and you don't play soccer, and you don't start playing soccer, and you don't ever practice, you're probably not going to be a famous soccer player, right? So if the Lord says your church is going to grow or die, and we're like, sweet, we're going to grow. If you don't make efforts or don't allow, and, and I don't know if you know what I mean. So I didn't grow up. This is just like a quick aside. I didn't grow up in churches uh, that had the terms apostles, prophets, apostles and prophets. We had pastors. We had lots of uh, pastors. We had teachers. We had, evan- or we had some evangelists. But so I wasn't familiar with those terms. But apostle literally means like one who is sent, right? Like you're going out. You have this, Paul's going on these, these missionary journeys, which are really apostolic journeys. He's being sent. He's, just, he's preaching the word, sharing the gospel, and then he's establishing. He's helping them learn doctrine. He's sending other people to make sure they establish elders. So that just wasn't something I was familiar with. And then prophets, it's kind of, who knows? I, now, there are people who hear from the Lord and help you hear from the Lord and because um, we can all hear from the Lord. But the reason I say that is because it was a church that was full of a lot of hurting people, people who had been hurt by the church. Um, and there was so much attention given to just taking care of that, that group that people didn't feel the freedom, I think, to, to look out. And so then you become ingrown and unhealthy. Um, and so I, maybe it was like seven months later, it was in January of 2016, I gave my resignation. Like I said, I, you know, I think, would we two, two months? Do we do two months or two weeks? Two months. Maybe it was December. I don't know. I just remember that my last day was Valentine's Day. <laughs> that was a little bittersweet to be like, it's Valentine's Day. Um, but in January of 2016, I was like, Lord, I have to be connected to the gospel being preached and new people getting saved. I have to. It's not happening around me very much. I don't feel like I'm surrounded by a lot of people who uh, are excited about evangelism or sharing the gospel. So you've got to show me where to connect. You've got to show me where to connect. And so then I found out that um, maybe like 10 minutes from our house, there was a group. If you've ever heard of the Circuit Riders? Yeah, some of you. Circuit Riders are a group of they're Southern California. I mean, they used to be in the olden times, Mennonite, or not Mennonite, Methodist preachers who rode around horseback preaching around the circuits, making sure people heard the gospel. So anyway, there's uh, this new group called the Circuit Riders, and I found out that they were going to be 10 minutes away at this campus, um, Millersville University. And honestly, I was terrified to go because I hadn't been on a college campus since I was in college, and I was like, they're just going to be like, what is this old guy doing here. Um, truly, I know I like look kind of young, but I was like truly nervous. They were just be like old and it'd be like, you know, like, uh, but I walked in and I heard the Lord say, they have so much zeal, but they don't really know a lot. <laughs> and they could, and, and I heard him say, you could really help them. And I was like, okay. And anyway, so then they preach the gospel and people are giving their lives to Christ. And then I remember, um, at the end they said, if you're, part, if you're here and you want to be part of the continued move of God on this campus, come up. And so I went up. I was the only non-student to go up, which, yeah. And I was, I was like, guys, I don't work here. I don't go to school here. I don't live here. But I do want to be part of the continued move of God on this campus. And so they prayed for me. 
And then, uh, it, was, it was a fun thing, but then a month later, I had my last day uh, at, at Connect, was the name of the church. I had my last day there, and every time we've had a kid, truly, the Lord has had us do something like, so I, 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 my last day there was two weeks before Cedar was born, I think, and I had no job and no savings. A um, little stressful. And so I took a job at Verizon, but not a good one. Like, I think you probably worked for, like, a real one. I just worked for, like, a franchise where it's real, uh, but it just, it was not a good location. And if you have a job based on commission, I was, like, keeping track. I was, like, I talked to three people today. And that was, that was, no, three people came in, and there were three salespeople. So I talked to one person. I was like, this isn't going to work. Anyway, I actually had had a dream that the Lord was like, this is going to be bad. And I told Trista, I told Trista, this is going to be bad. And she's like, well, just take, like, we, we need money. And so I took the job. And then I think I gave my two weeks notice three days in. Uh, <laughs> but I went. I still went. Anyway, the reason I say this is because then, at the tail end of that, like, uh, it was one of my last days there. I got a random phone call from a friend who said, uh, I've just been offered two jobs. One is at a Mennonite church to be the youth pastor, and one is on Millersville University to be a pastor of a campus church. Millersville University being the place where I had been like, I want to be part of the gospel here. I just don't know how. And he's like, I've already, like they've already gone through a three-month hiring process and chosen me, but I don't think it's me, I think it's you. Um, are you interested? And I was like, that sounds perfect. It really did. Like, we weren't burnt out. We weren't burnt by our bad experience. Like, uh, and then I think, like, two or three weeks later, I was their new lead pastor. And <laughs> it's like, so our life doesn't make a lot of sense, and the rules don't apply uh, often. Where <laughs> you're like, I don't know. And then that was like, we spent four years there, and it was amazing. Like, it was, uh, we saw so many good things. Like, he, Jake Kale was here, if you guys were here for that a few weeks ago. His church was like three minutes from our church. And when they were interviewing me, they said, who are some of your favorite preachers? And I was like, Jake Kale? I was like, he pastors a church three minutes from here. You might want to go to it if you don't like what I have to say. Um, but the Holy Spirit showed up very quickly. Like, one of the first times we had, one of the first services we had, um, we had a guest preacher named Jean Casey from Haiti, and the Holy Spirit showed up. I was just in the back with the kids, and I didn't even know it. Our kids' ministry was just my kids. Like, it really, it was. It's a, it was like half college kids, half uh, community members. Anyway, but it was just wild. Like, people who didn't know what tongues were speaking in tongues. A freshman, this girl came up to me and said, I just had an open vision that I'm going to be a church planter, but I'm a marine biology major. But what do I do with that? I said, I don't know, but we have four years to figure it out. And um, it was a really, really fun church to be a part of. And if you enjoy prophetic things, you would have loved this church. It was like a prophetic playground. It was like anybody who walked in, we were just, we would tell them, like, God might speak through you today. So, like, be ready. And we were, it was, you know, um, who wants, to, who's never given a word of knowledge? Who wants to try? Come on up and just, like, well, well you know, this is a safe place to try. So, it was definitely a place where I was like, if you come, you're going to grow. We are deep in the word. We hear the voice of the Lord. We were a church of like 30 people. 
but I think we saw someone healed still every week. And almost any time someone visited, they, they were almost always the one who got healed. Like my friend Tom would just be leading worship and be like, someone have vertigo? All right, that guy has vertigo. And it's his first time there, and he was just like, his son's there for baseball practice on the college, and then he gets healed, and then we never see him again. Like that's usually what happened is somebody would get healed, and we'd never see them again. Sometimes people would get healed and just yell out profanity. Uh, that, that happened a couple times. Somebody just being like, holy, it worked. Like their body, got, their body got healed. And we're just looking at each other like, I don't know what you do. But, uh, but the reason I'm talking about that is because, so I was, I was in a church that was full of the spirit, experiencing his presence, people learning what communion is with, is with him. But all of that, like all of the other values about prayer, our presence, prayer, transformation, it doesn't automatically mean that people are going to open their mouths and share the gospel. Um, it seems like that takes some intentionality. So even we're, we were part of this church where we saw lots of really amazing things. And all of the bitterness that I had experienced or the, the negative, you know, it was, just a, it was just a time, like a really beautiful time where people who were there were there because they wanted to see the Lord move. But that doesn't necessarily equate to people sharing the gospel, people getting saved. I mean, people were passionate, but, and so that's me. That, that wasn't like the leadership being like a power struggle of what, how, what our vision was. Um, and so it was good and worthwhile, but I felt like the Lord knew that they needed something different and we needed something different. And then, so he told me, that I remember him saying, you've grown the church up to you, and as long as you're here, they won't grow past you. Um, and as soon as you leave, I'm gonna raise up new leaders to take your place. So we're like, okay. So we did that. Um, I mean, we gave them a year. We told them, we spent a year transitioning, making sure they had new pastors and new leaders, and there was no, there was no unfriendly endings. It was just really beautiful. So then, I'm, gonna, we're, I'm just going to share a little bit more, and then I'm going to, like, of our story, like, just for another minute or two, a couple minutes, and then we're going to get into some scripture. Um, so then after that, it really was two years of what we would just call wilderness, where it kind of felt like God covered us, and we were like, I don't think he's letting people hang out with us anymore, because we had... We had done music, like, professionally in Pennsylvania. We had pastored house churches and other churches, and we had such a big network, and we had a lot of friends, and then all of a sudden, it was just us at home with our kids every single day. And we had left that church, so we gave them space um, so they could, you know, get acclimated with their new leadership. And so for two years straight, when someone would say, what's next, or what are you guys doing, or what do you think's going on? The only thing we would say is, do you remember? We'd just say, all I know is that we love Jesus and we love each other and we want to see the gospel go out and the harvest come in. The amount of times we said that for two years, like, it's a little, it's, well, it's very humbling to meet people who have, like, vision, who have their lives together, who have, they're like, we're doing this, and we're doing this, and this is the thing we're praying about, and we're just, and people are like, what about you? And you're like, I just know that we love Jesus, um, we love each other, and we want to see the gospel go out and the harvest come in. 
And then something happened in the last year that we lived in Cincinnati, I think a pretty important shift. When we were in Lancaster pastoring the church we were pastoring, almost everything I thought and did was prophetic. Um, If I went to, like I got to go to Kenya, the only thing I was really thinking is, I either want to give these people a word or teach them how to hear the Lord for themselves. Every dream I had was about, like it would be God going, here's the four stages of hearing my voice, write it down. And then I'd wake up and I'd, and we had, we were running a prophetic community at the time that was 25 people from like six different churches that was not connected to our church. It was, we had oversight, but it was just, we're like, there's so much to learn about hearing God's voice. And it was probably my favorite time of the month and it was just so fun. Um, but most of my energy was going into hearing the voice of the Lord teaching people how to hear the voice of the Lord. And I was starting to get frustrated that we were seeing very cool things. I was hearing the Lord. People around me were hearing the Lord. But the same thing was happening. I wasn't seeing people share their faith as much. And I wasn't, we really weren't seeing people come to Jesus. Actually, it was a period where we had to like really fight for our belief in sharing the gospel because I think truly we saw more people walk away from Jesus in that, in that time than come to him. Close friends, really close friends. And not just a couple of them, like people who had followed Jesus and then were like, I don't even know, if, I don't think there is a God. Um, so in that year in Cincinnati, my thinking just started changing where every day instead of thinking like, what's the Lord saying? How do I help people hear his voice? I couldn't stop thinking about evangelism and discipleship. Like, unprompted, every day, all I would think is like, how do we help that person hear about Jesus? How do we equip people to start sharing their faith? How do we get people to see that evangelism is something different than just going on a missions trip or feeling like you have to go out on the street? And I read a book last year called Missionary Warrior, Charles Cowman. Has anybody heard of him? Charles Cowman? Who said yeah? Was it? Okay. I thought it was you. <laughs> it was like you. So he was a missionary. He was born in 1868 in the United States, got called to Japan in 1900, and then he passed in 1924. So this is from a while ago. Um, I just want to read you a really, like, this is my favorite part of the book, and this is from 1901. Um, and he was, they were traveling and doing evangelism and preaching, and it was him, but it was mostly, mostly like um, Japanese natives, right? It, like the, he was like, there's power in hearing the gospel from somebody who speaks your tongue. So I'm just going to read this. One night, while passing through a very narrow street, someone from our group shouted out through the megaphone, a Jesus doctrine meeting will be held tonight at the mission hall in Jimbocho. Anyone desiring peace come and hear about the true God. In a little out of the way home sat an elderly couple and the message reached them. Anyone desiring peace. It was like sweet music and the old grandmother thought, peace, what a lovely word, but where can it be found? Can it be possible that after all our weary years of searching, at last we shall find peace? Perhaps these foreigners can tell us, I will go. The little woman was the first arrival of the evening She was bent with age and hobbled along with a cane. She sat on the front seat and listened raptly 
At the close of the service, we learned something of her life story. 60 years before, she had married a fine young man. When they had started life together, they decided to lead righteous lives. As the priests were their religious leaders, naturally, they consulted them and became faithful attendants at the temple. They observed every festival and devoutly worshipped each idol. But as the years went on, they still had the same heart. They still had the same heart yearnings that were never satisfied. The priest told them that if they visit the various temples of the land, that they might find peace then. They had considerable money and did not need to work for their living, so they started on their quest, and they became pilgrims, devoting their lives to religion. Year after year, they visited temples and tramped hundreds of miles, often far up on a mountain where a dumb idol stood. Um, we were explaining to our kids that dumb means can't speak, but also idols are just real dumb. Um, Hours of hard climbing took them to some shrine where they received written prayers from the priest in charge, but they always returned with the same dull ache in their hearts. So still they continued their search for 60 long years. Their money was now all spent and they were too old for traveling and they had come to Tokyo to settle down in a tiny room and wait until the end. The aged woman came every night for two weeks, but one night the old despairing look had vanished. And in her face was a heavenly light as she said, I have found peace. I have found Jesus. She brought her husband. Over the pulpit hung a banner with Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The old man was fairly entranced, and tears began to trickle over his wrinkled cheeks. Pointing to the banner, he said, I never heard such gracious words as these. He too was converted, and this couple, who, whom we named grown old waiting, became a continual inspiration to us, and they were just two of many who had groped for long years in darkness. To me, that's Evangelism 101, is people get a chance to hear the gospel, hear who Jesus is and what he did, and then they have a chance to receive I want to read Romans 10, 5 through 17. Do we have that? Yeah, we do. Great. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring the Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. Just meaning that if you're looking for the Messiah, he's not still in heaven, and he's not someone you have to go and raise from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. 
but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That's it. That's, that to me is evangelism 101, is going, how? Well, if you do it backwards, you're like, people are gonna be sent and they're gonna preach and people are going to hear of Jesus through that preaching. People are gonna believe in him People are going to call on him, and they're going to be saved. They can't, they can't hear and say yes without, or they can't say yes without hearing. And so part of this, though, is that the plan, um, God's plan, which to me is often very frustrating, uh, is for it to come through you and I, um, and not just through evangelists. I remember when we were missionaries in the Middle East, um, we had done, I had done time, is what I was going to say, uh, in Tunisia. Uh, for a couple months, and we lived in Egypt for seven months. And I just remember being like, God, this is so frustrating. Why don't you just like, instead of letting the call to prayer go out, why don't you just take over and go, I'm the Lord. Uh, This is wrong. I'm the right way. And then all the minarets just fall down, and everyone's like, it's Jesus. Um, Honestly, that was like a continual frustration. I'm like, why don't you just do that? If you just showed everyone who you were, that would be so much easier. Um, he's just not super interested in doing it that way. Um, so part of this is that it's, it's supposed to come from you, and I don't want to overcomplicate it. It's just you, people get upset with, like I've heard Todd White say this, like that people, it's like getting upset with um, blind people for not being able to see. Like the word says that the God of this world has veiled their eyes. And so... It's, it doesn't make sense to really be upset with the world for living like they're lost when they're lost. It, it makes sense to get upset with the church for living like it's lost when they're not lost. Um, and if you've studied revival, you often hear that revival starts, any big revival, that usually starts with repentance in the church um, before the gospel starts going out. So instead of just getting upset with people for not, not living like Christians, Part of what we are supposed to do is share with them who Jesus is, what he's done, what's available. Um, I remember, I remember we had a roommate living with us. Um, we had a lot of roommates over the years. We had, I think, 11 or 12. And I remember this one particular young lady lived with us, and I remember she hit rock bottom. Like, somebody was like, you got it, like, called me at, like, Three in the morning was like, you got to come get your friend. They're drunk. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. And going to pick her up. And Trista's trying to talk to her. She's like, no, don't touch me. And, I just, and, and then I just remember like a couple of days later, us being like, I think this is like the time for her where she's going to receive Jesus. And I just remember asking her, hey, do you want to be a Christian? And she said, what is that? I don't, like, she's like, what, is that? what does that mean? I don't know what that means. And I don't know if you're like me, but I, I just assumed that everyone in America had heard the gospel and knew who Jesus was. But that's, like, not even close to being the case at all. Like, she grew up in, not the Bible Belt. It'd be like, because we were in Pennsylvania, it'd be like the Bible bib. Um, <laughs> somewhere around here is, it's a religious area steeped in, like, Christianity. I think Lancaster supports, since, supports 
more in global missions than anywhere else in the world, like per capita. Um, so to find someone who was living in all of that and is like, I don't even know what you're saying. Like, I, yes, I've heard the name Jesus, but I don't know what is that. And I said, here, watch this three-hour movie. <laughs> we, we put on uh, the Gospel of John, and it was great. And we finished it, and she said, I believe that. And then, yeah, and then she got baptized, and she actually, it was like, I was like, I don't know what to do. Just watch this movie. Um, but it was simple enough just being like asking. I was like, she lived in a place where every, like, there's churches everywhere, but she never heard the gospel. Even a couple weeks ago, maybe it was like a month ago at the UNM, there was some protest because there was a guy speaking and he's more, I guess, right wing. And so there are going to be people out protesting that he was there. And so while he was there, uh, I think it was Nathan Hertz and I were talking, talking to him. I just felt like God highlighted him. And we started talking to him about Jesus. And we're like, have you ever, you know, the gospel, have you ever heard it? And, he, and again, no idea. Had never heard the gospel once in his life. And he's college age. He was just there to meet girls and try to party. Like, he wasn't even part of the protest. He was just there to try to meet people who were protesting. Um, but again, we start talking. We're like, have you ever heard this? And the reality is he just hadn't heard it. He'd never heard. So we got to share what God's kingdom coming means, what, what Jesus' death and resurrection means and offers, we got to pray for him for peace, and we I even, I took a picture afterwards. I don't have it. I didn't want to, I didn't ask him if I could use it, but I just took a picture afterwards because I was like, I want to pray that you would experience the peace of Jesus right now in the middle of this, like, there was the riot police, and they're just chanting stuff in megaphones back at them, and him in like a bright yellow sweatshirt, just like, after we prayed for him, uh, and he said, I don't ever smile like that. He's like, because he was seeing the picture of himself, he's like, I don't smile like that. I remember when I was in eighth grade, I was a typical eighth grader, um, trying to share the gospel with everybody in our hotel room in Washington, D.C. Um, I don't remember how it happened, because I wasn't like the most popular kid who just was like, let's try this thing, and everyone's like, yeah, let's do it. Um, but somehow on this eighth grade trip to D.C., there was, I got one guy who was not into Jesus and was like, I don't believe that, I'll never believe that. I was like, well, let's just play out a scenario where you're on your deathbed. Hop into bed. So we got him, we got him to hop into bed. And I want to say there's probably like 20 other guys in the room. And I was like, me and this guy, you're a Christian. We're going to be missionaries. And so here, you, we're going to pretend like you're dying. And I just shared the gospel with him. And we get to the end, and it's like, so do you want to believe? Do you want to follow Jesus? And he said, no. <laughs> but somebody else in the back of the room said, I do. And then that guy ended up becoming one of my really good friends and was in our wedding. Um, he was like, yeah, I do. And I was like, well, this is crazy. <laughs> like, God, God used this really ridiculous <laughs> guys. I was a little different. I... When I started college, I used my own money to hand out tracks, to buy tracks. I had a really good one. It was called Ticket to Heaven. And it was made with a paper that you can't tear. 
You're like, oh, don't eat it, tear it up. Oh, you can't, you need it. You have to come to heaven with me. Um, anyway. Let's go to the next passage, Mark 4, 3 through 8. Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and it immediately sprang up since it had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. I really don't want to overcomplicate it, but do you notice that there's no scenario for the sower just didn't sow seed? Like, every single one is like, they sow here, they drop some here, this negative thing happened, this negative thing happened. Sometimes it got scorched. Sometimes it was the cares of the earth. Sometimes the soil wasn't deep enough. Sometimes birds just came and took it. But then sometimes it produces 30, 60, or 100-fold. But there's no scenario where he's like, and then this guy just didn't do it because he's like, no one's going to believe this anyway. Or, uh, well, 75% of the time or more, it gets choked out and doesn't even last. So, like, what's the point of sowing seed? Because it doesn't happen because in the parable, he's a seed sower. Which is why I don't feel like I really have to say much more other than you got to sow seeds. Like, you've got to, you have to. Like, they can't, Jesus says this, but, I mean, I know he's talking about his death, but Jesus says in John 12, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. You read the New Testament, there are so many times that Jesus talks about bearing fruit and a lot of it, and how much glory that gives the Father. Even to the point where when a fig tree is not producing fruit out of season, Jesus curses it. And Jesus says, if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So I know he's speaking of his death, but the principle is true that a seed is made to be put into the ground and then watered and sun, and, you know, and then sometimes it springs up and good things happen that far outweigh anything you thought could have happened. But the intention is that he's going to use me and he's going to use you for the gospel to go out and the harvest to come in. And it doesn't just mean that you have to be an evangelist. Paul's mentioned this, that it's not about personality types. I, th I think, I, well, I know, well, I just to say I feel very strongly uh, that the Lord has said that this will be one of the most important years in New Life City's history. One of the most important and formative years in our history. 
And we have so much good history to build on. So I'm just going to close with this. Here's the beautiful thing is that it's really easy to sell. <laughs> like I worked at Apple for a couple years. It was not hard to sell. There's a, nobody gets commission at Apple because they tell you, they're like, these will sell themselves. Like you're not going to have to make any effort to, to sell what's in our store. And it's true. And that part, it made it nice to be like, hey, I'm not trying to like, I'm not making any money off of this. You can trust me when you come in that I'm telling you what is actually best for you, for your like company. I'm not doing this to make money. But it's really easy to, to sell something that is, I mean, there's a reason Apple is the most lucrative company in the world. And so here's the beauty about that with, with God is that God is actually only good, and he really is a perfectly loving father. The reality is that Jesus really did come, die, defeat death, create a way for us to enter into relationship with the father, that he really is the only way to life. You have that going for you, <laughs> that people were designed to have an encounter with the Lord. People were designed to receive him and believe in him and to respond to the gospel, that the Holy Spirit really does come and make his home in us, make us a new creation, give us his gifts, lead us to Jesus, fill us with wisdom. And so I just want to read something. Don't put it on the screen yet. I just want to read it. I want to read this over you. You were built for this. You may not think I'm talking to you, but I am. You are built for this. Don't allow yourself to be misled into thinking that you're not. God is going to use your life and your words to bring people into his kingdom. There's so much grace on your life and on this community to see people saved. Your personality, your gifts, and your sphere of influence have come together so that you would cross, path, the, cross paths with ones who need to experience Jesus' love and hear how they can enter into a relationship with him. There will be people on earth and in heaven who will have you to thank for introducing them to Jesus. People will hear and believe specifically because of you and the community around you. Will you guys stand? I want to put it up and read it one more time over you. I feel this so deeply. So as you hear me say it, I feel like the Lord's encouraging you to hear him saying this over you. You are built for this. Don't allow yourself to be misled into thinking that you're not. God is going to use your life, your life, and your words to bring people into his kingdom. There is so much grace on your life and on this community to see people saved. Your specific personality, your gifts, your sphere of influence have come together so that you would cross paths with ones who need to experience Jesus' love and hear how they can enter into a relationship with him. There will be people on earth and in heaven 
who will have you to thank for introducing them to Jesus. People will hear and believe specifically because of you and the community around you. Let's go to the next one. I would love for you to read it with me because I think it's true. And I remember, so when we were getting ready to leave UCF, which was the last church that we pastored, that we, it was so good and we didn't necessarily want to leave. I remember taking, we had the circuit riders come back pretty regularly. And I remember having Ember go with me. And I just remember them, it was in the midst of just having friends walk away from Jesus. And I just remember them being like, does anybody want to like say anything? And I was just like, I just want to say that my life is going to be used to bring people into the kingdom of heaven. And it felt like this bold step of faith being like, it's not what I'm seeing right now, but it's what we're going to see. And so I think there's so much power in declaring this over you. So if you would, read it with me. I am built for this. I won't allow myself to be misled into thinking that I'm not God is going to use my life and my words to bring people into his kingdom. There is so much grace on my life and on this community to see people saved. My personality, my gifts, and my sphere of influence have come together so that I would cross paths with ones who need to experience Jesus' love and hear how they can enter a relationship with him. There will be people on earth and in heaven who will have me to thank for introducing them to Jesus. People will hear and believe specifically because of me and the community around me. Amen. Holy Spirit, seal that, seal that, seal that for this year, that your words, that he plans to use you. We could just go each one, he's going to use you, he plans to do it. And there are people who are going to hear the gospel who will receive it, who wouldn't receive it from the person next to you. That he has designed you specifically, right where you are, to be part of the gospel going out and the harvest coming in. Let's pray. Jesus, you're so worth talking about. And I just thank you for a gospel that's simple enough that says we open our mouths and share and people have a chance to believe. And God, I thank you that your word says that no one who believes in you will ever be put to shame. No one's gonna be disappointed in following you. We're not gonna get to eternity and be turned away. Jesus, I pray that your spirit would seal what has been spoken over our body this morning what we've declared in ourselves, a belief that you are going to use us as you break down walls of misconception of about evangelism, you're going to use us as a community to see the gospel of God and the harvest come in. And God, we just want you to get what you deserve. Jesus, we want that great multitude that's gonna be before you someday we don't want to be ashamed of being excited about bearing a lot of fruit. And so, Jesus, I pray that the church would grow, that the way and the rate this church grows would honor you. It'd be disciples making disciples. Amen.
Um, if you, I mean, if you want prayer, uh, we're going to invite you to come up. If you want prayer for healing, if you're like, I got to be part of what they're talking about, sharing the gospel, come up and we can pray over you. Or if you're like, I need to receive Jesus, come up. Um, but we just thank you for being here this morning and I'm excited to see what happens this year. Paul, do you have any closing? Yeah, let's have the prayer ministers come up and then you guys can either wake you up or just have a good time. Happy New Year.